This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. 734-2200. The Ticket. WSYT-FM HD1 Detroit. An intercom radio station. Tiger Talk with Pat Caputo and the radio voice of the Detroit Tigers, Dan Dickerson. This one is gone on Tigers Radio, 97.1, the ticket. Hey, 248-539-9797 is the phone number. Uh, ticket text is at 97136. Pat Caputo here along with Double D, Dan Dickerson, the radio play-by-play voice of the Tigers. What's up, Double How are you, Pat? Well, I'm doing well. Uh, you know, second edition of Tiger Talk. That means it's getting closer and closer to spring training, closer and closer to the start of the season. Tiger Fest coming up a week from Saturday. So uh, we're having a lot of fun. Two weeks from Two Saturday. Two weeks from Saturday. Right. I had it off, Something too. like that. I had it on my mind as the 20th. But, no, it is the 27th. 27th. So we're looking forward to all of it, and uh, it's a lot of fun, and we talk some baseball. We had Al Avilan. Tiger's general manager last week. He said some rather interesting things. And uh, uh, today we'll talk to uh, the Tigers. Ace. Now he's the ace, undisputed ace of the Tigers. Michael Fulmer. He'll join us at 745. That'll be good. Good to get an update on uh, how the surgery went and how his recovery is going. You assume all is going well. And uh, just be good to talk to Michael. It's, uh, <laughs> I'm just glad that nothing came of the the many Michael Fulmer rumors in the offseason. Remember, a guy the Tigers have for the next five years. Well, you know what I thought was funny about it? I mean, every time I see this, I laugh. I, I laughed last summer. You know, when I, you know, and I, look, nothing against Peter Gammons. He's in the Hall of Fame. I love the guy. You know, all those different things. Uh, but, you know, when he had uh, the rumor that was out there, he said, well, a source told me, you know, how Peter talks, you know, the source told me that, uh, you know, a well-known source in the Cubs, of, I'm thinking to myself, well, wait a second. Peter is based in Boston. Uh, the Cubs uh, general manager, Steel Epstein, I'm thinking, well, oh, gosh, I wonder who that source was. <laughs> that the Tigers are asking too much for Justin Verlander, and they're really interested, the Cubs and Michael Fulmer. I'm thinking to myself, Really? The Cubs are interested in Michael Fulmer. I think the Tigers are interested in keeping Michael Fulmer. There was a difference between why they would trade JV and why they would trade Michael Fulmer. I'm thinking, wow, that's a great one. And look, you know, the Cubs would have been a lot better off with Justin Verlander, by the way. Yep. And, uh, you know, and I'm thinking this offseason, I'm sitting there, I'm saying, you're mentioning all these rumors. And I'm thinking, what rumors did I see that actually had any substance to it? The one I loved was, well, the Yankees are really interested in Michael Fulmer. Well, who's not interested in Michael Fulmer? <laughs> they don't want to give up their best prospects. If you look at the... all these different things, like he threw his average fastball, was among the best in the major leagues. He's got a wipeout slider, and he's got a great changeup and a terrific makeup. Uh, he's under control for several years. Five. It's yeah. worth repeating. Five. So, and, uh, you know, yeah. I mean, yeah, I'm sure the Yankees are interested in Michael Fulmer. 
Who wouldn't be interested There's in Michael Fulmer? There's not a prospect package out there that would interest me. You know? I mean, maybe. I mean, maybe, okay, Glaber Torres and... But they're not going to... They but got, they're not going to do that. They traded they Castro. Did, you're still trading for a prospect. You know? You've got Michael Fulmer under control for five years. Young, controllable, cheap talent. Let's say it cost you, I saw an estimate, $45 million over the next five years, roughly. That's the best estimate. You're stealing him. And supposedly your rebuild is... Three, four years, he speeds up the rebuild. There's just, I just, uh, anyway, glad he's still here. And I thought tonight we'd talk a little bit about lineups. I was just, I was just going to say, though, I just want to repeat, everybody's interested in Michael Holman. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I mean, it's like you saying know. everybody's interested in Mookie Betts. I, I, love, I love Al's answer. Everybody's Al's interested David yeah, Justice. Yeah, it's like every, everybody is interested in Aaron Judge. You know, so it's like, uh, you know, Al, Al's always answer to it is like, well, we're, we're not looking to trade him, but, you know, we'll listen. What right. is he supposed to say? We're no, don't call us. <laughs> oh, just, to me, that was nuts. So, but anyway, yeah, we're going to talk some lineups today and uh, different factors that go into that lineup. Tiger's lineup, what do you think about it, Dan? Well, it's interesting because uh, I think MLB.com, including Jason Beck, came out with the most likely lineups for all 30 teams. and But it just gets you thinking about, because I was thinking about this last week. We didn't talk about it. Who's in that leadoff spot with the current talent that the Tigers have? There is no obvious candidate. But it reminded me of a story that uh, Dave Schoenfeld, or Dan uh, Simborski wrote last year, almost exactly a year ago in the offseason, about the best lineup construction. And it doesn't really matter that you have a prototypical, quote, leadoff hitter type. Right. And he went back through the ages and, and just kind of ran his own study, and he, and he details it in, in the story. But his point was you don't necessarily have to have that prototypical leadoff man, a guy who makes contact, gets on base, that in terms of what a lineup's going to do, whether he's hitting first or last, it won't change a whole lot. His right. point was teams win by having high on base, high slugging. You collect the best amount of talent that has high on base, high slugging percentage, and put your best hitters at the top of the lineup. Make sure your best hitters get the most plate appearances. Sounds simple, but think how many teams are always looking for that prototypical leadoff hitter, guy with speed, makes contact, gets on base. It doesn't really matter when you talk about perfect lineup construction. Even the book on baseball says the difference is maybe one, two runs or wins a year if you have the optimal lineup. And that's just based on the numbers. So anyway, the point is you want your best four hitters or best five hitters in the top five spots. So for Tiger fans, how would you construct this lineup? Two four eight five three nine ninety seven ninety seven is the phone number. Ticket text is at nine seven one three six. By the way, the book on baseball is not this show I did a long time ago on radio. <laughs> it was actually the two thousand seven classic penned uh, by Tom Tango. Uh, the pseudonym for Canadian right. author who I think he works for Major League Baseball now, uh, trying to make sense of it. He doesn't. He, nobody knows. Oh, nobody knows. Nobody right. knows. It's a pseudonym. So Tango Tiger. One other point. Yes. And it was fascinating his line of construction and his thoughts behind it. I mean, they right. put a lot of thought into it. And I ran it by Brad Osmus this past year. You know, what do you think of, of the the perfect lineup construction? Gets you maybe one to two extra wins a year, a few extra runs. Right. And the point that he made and many other managers make, That's that's those are numbers in a perfect world. But not all guys can hit leadoff. Some can't handle it. They start changing their approach. They think they have to walk more and get on base more, and they change their approach, what makes them a good hitter, and they're no longer that same hitter. 
Some guys do not like to hit cleanup, can't handle hitting cleanup. Some guys are perfectly comfortable in the number six spot, and that's where they're most productive. That's the human element of it, and I thought that's a really good point, a thing to remember as you talk about lineup construction. When you see things that don't look quite right, there's often a reason for it. Well, you know, just give you some background on this. Uh, Tom Tango comes out with this. Uh, it was a study over 15 years or whatever, and others have done studies as well, in which uh, Tom Tango uh, discovered that. I know that sounds bizarre to people out there who have no idea what I'm talking about with Tom Tango. It's a pseudonym for a Canadian mathematician who's, you know, had a breakthrough book called The Book on Yeah, Baseball. I'm sure a lot of people are familiar yeah, with that. And there he's are a lot some of good that work. are, he's, he's pretty, very good stuff. The book is, is you know, changed a lot of the ways that I looked at baseball. But the second spot in the batting order turned out to be the one where the most clutch situations turned up. Uh, Tony La Russa was the first to do this, uh, although I remember Jim Leland would put, like, Marcus Thames in there, and he really didn't know why Tony La Russa was doing it. You know, so he put, like, power guys in there. And then he, you know, put Quinn Berry hitting second there in the World Series. And if you go back and look at the 2012 World Series, Quinn Berry came up at every key time and made it out. <laughs> so that spot is very, very important. It seems to be That's more important. That's why some of the best hitters are now hitting, hitting to second. Mike Trout a lot uh, is hitting that Rizzo spot. Rizzo hits second a lot. And But last year, I was fascinated by this. You mentioned in leadoff, the Cubs lost Dexter Fowler. It really, really hurt them. They were doing lousy. They were struggling to be 500. And for whatever reason, this is a team that Tom Tango used to work for. For an extended period of time, with Theo Epstein as their general manager, who is the one of the first to put analytics uh, very much in force. The, the Boston Red Sox, Bill James works for him. That's where Theo uh, Epstein came from. They, their analytics department, all their numbers crunchers. They had Kyle Schwarber hitting leadoff. And that's exactly what this article by Dan Samborski was in in response to. Are the Cubs crazy for putting Kyle Schwarber in the leadoff spot? Well, he hit like 170. <laughs> he was at, He's a pretty good hitter, but he has no speed. Um, he's a, you know, a big guy who's not athletic, a catcher that they put out in the outfield to have bad metrics in the outfield. And he was terrible there. He was hitting 170. So Joe Madden, about midseason, all of a sudden puts Rizzo in there. And all of a sudden he puts Brian in there. And he started to win. So I don't know about order, you know, how much it means. It, it means something, but it doesn't mean as much as, like, like when I come on after a Tiger game and people are obsessing about the mm-hmm. Tigers' batting order to the point where that's all they talk about. There's a kind of a balance there. I just think that it makes a lot of sense. It sounds very simple, but a lot of teams don't do it because they're still constructing their lineups with a typical, prototypical number one, number two guy. Many or not, like you said, Mike Trout's hitting second for the Angels most games, or all games. But think about lineup construction. Top four guys should be your best four hitters. So, makes sense, right? Who are the Tigers' best four hitters? How would you construct? If that is your guiding principle, the guys who have the, be- guys who have the best OPS on base plus slugging in your top four spots, how would you construct it? Because Jason Beck put together a lineup. He had... Leonis Martin in the leadoff spot, acknowledging that while he has speed, he has a very tough time getting on base. No, he'd be he'd be one of the last guys. Kansas put City in put Alcides Escobar at the top and went to the World Series twice. Made no sense at all. But Leonis Martin, I would say, is not a good leadoff candidate based on his track record, and it's well established. So how would you do it? 
248-539-9797. I got an idea. I'll say it. People right. will be going, you've got to be crazy. You give me your top five, and I'll give you my top five. For leadoff spot. Or for no, just goal. top five in the lineup. Okay. If, if the construction idea is put your best five hitters in the top five spots, you're not trying to balance anything. You're just trying to get them the most played appearances over the course of a season. How would you put that lineup together? 97 won the ticket. Tiger Talk with Pat Caputo and Tan Dickerson on Tigers Radio 97.1. The ticket. 248-539-9797 is the phone number. You know, I know a lot of people uh, get a lot of text, emails, things like that. I say, when's Tiger Talk start? Well, we're on now uh, every week. <laughs> uh, we got open lines, 248-539-9797. Uh, Dan, I love to be on in the middle of winter like this because it makes us think uh, warm thoughts and baseball. So give us a call. Let's talk some baseball. What is ever on your mind? Let's talk about it. Uh, we're here till 8 o'clock. Michael Fulmer, uh, the Tigers' ace, will join us at 745 uh, to talk about his offseason, the surgery, all kinds of different stuff. That'll be at 745. Uh, we'd love to hear from you again, 248-539-9797. Dan, uh, the Tigers lineup, the top of the lineup, what would you put it? All right, if your starting nine are, and this is from uh, Jason Beck's projected lineup the other day, and I think this is probably a pretty reasonable guess. Your outfield is uh, Leonis Martin, Mikey Matuk, Nick Castellanos. Your infield is Candelario, Iglesias, Machado, Cabrera, McCann behind the plate, and Victor Martinez, your DH. That's your starting nine. So how would you put them in the proper order, the most productive order, if the theory is, and I think this makes a lot of sense, you put your best four hitters at the top. Right. And I would go with probably Mikey Matuk in the leadoff spot, almost by default. There really isn't, outside of Cabrera and Victor Martinez, there aren't many hitters who draw walks. I want guys who draw walks. Don't just look at on-base percentage. Look at walk rate. And if the average walk rate is now 8 Eight and a half percent, and you're at six. You're that's below average, which means your on base is being driven by your batting average year after year. But in the absence of other things, Mikey Matuk is in my leadoff spot. Castellanos number two, Cabrera three, and then you have to hope for a bounce back year. Victor Martinez is coming back, right, to start the year, assuming he looks okay in spring training. Victor Martinez is in the cleanup spot. To me, that would be the top four hitters for the Tigers this year. I, I think it's clear cut top four going into the season. Candelario can certainly get in the mix. Without but question. He did, you know, he had a good September. But can he, so he's number five. And then the problem is, if that's the case, I mean, do you, here's here's the flip side of the equation. If you're loading in the top of the lineup with your best hitters, getting the most played appearances, the bottom part of the order is going to look a little bit lean, unless James McCann really steps up this year, because then you're looking at McCann, Leonis Martin, Dixon Machado, Jose Iglesias, the bottom part of that order. Right. And that, that to me, is a problem. Well, I think it's always a problem when you got a spotty order like that. Um, what do you do? Uh, you know, you're, you got that double-edged sword, the damned if you do, damned if you don't thing. You put everybody all in order and then uh, have a bottom part that isn't that good. Or do you uh, spot them throughout the you lineup? You try to spread out your talent. Yeah. The, me, I would go. The, to me, it's a simple process. I'm a firm believer in get your best hitters that are most at-bats. Um, I've seen enough statistical evidence uh, believing that the second spot and, you know, that study by Tom Tango has held true uh, since that, the decade since. I would um, put 
Um, Castellanos in leadoff spot. I know it sounds crazy to people, but I don't care about athleticism. I don't care about speed. He did run better this year. He I did. don't care about Well, I'm not looking to put him in there. I'm putting right. him in there because his exit velocity was very good last year. Um, he should have hit better early in the year than what his numbers suggested based on that. Eventually, water did find its level. Last two months, he was you know, phenomenal. He's 26 years old, okay? He's going to be 26 in March. He's just hitting the prime. The prime of a major league player is 26 to 33 on the wide side. Maybe you take both ends, 28 to 30 in the prime of the prime. Um, Castellanos has yet to hit, hit as well as he's going to hit. And he's, after Miguel Cabrera, he's your best hitter. So I have him in the leadoff spot and then put Miggy two. And then I put uh, V-Mart three, uh, you know, assuming that V-Mart has a bit of a bounce back from last year when he wasn't very good. He's one year removed from a really good year. So yeah, at 39, so, the odds are against it, let's face it. But let's let's assume he can hit a little bit. Then I would put uh, J-Mart Candelario, based on what I've seen and know about him in the minor leagues and looking at it, he's also... Uh, I think he's a better hitter than uh, what Matuk is at this point. I th- Mikey Matuk, I have to see more of it. I put Matuk fifth. I like Mikey Matuk. Mar- Mikey Matuk was among the top uh, ten players uh, in the American League, or was it Major League Baseball, in terms of home run length. So when he gets a, a mm-hmm. hold of one, he really cracks it. The problem is he doesn't get a hold of him that many. He's a pretty good athlete, uh, different things, but uh, – I think I, I would project Jamar, and I know that sounds crazy to be better than Mikey Mott took as a hitter. I kind of like no, it's, it's not. It's not. Yeah, based on his minor league numbers, solid walk rate through the minors, good power yeah. numbers, developing power still. I like uh, Candelario. So, so your top five, same as mine, just in a different order. Yeah, I wouldn't be putting Jose Iglesias in the leadoff spot. Or Jose second. Iglesias has a four percent walk rate. He's a he's just and he hits the ball as softly as anybody in the American League. I mean, he is a. <laughs> Prototypical number nine. Here. That's what he. Yeah, I would have him down in the order. McCann, you know, I might move McCann up in the order if he is against left-handed pitching, uh, because he rakes against lefties and struggles against right. righties. It's phenomenal. No, the, you're right. The gap there, and uh, that's how I would look at it. The rest of their hitters, who's ever hot, you know. I mean, uh, you know, whatever you got. I don't. I don't know what they got in Machado. I really don't. I, you know, I, think, I don't think they they think uh, they know either. I think they're they going to find out. Shortstop, but I think they, you know, they're going to get a shot now. Right. And uh, you know, I don't know what they got. Martine. It looks to me like that's a guy who's a pretty good athlete, but who struggles with the hitting aspect of the game. His best OPS is six ninety eight in his career. That's so. That's the upside of Leonis yeah, Martin coming he's, off. He's of your mostly work. been. He's, he's he's a career OPS of three hundred. You know when they got on base. Him. Yeah, on base percent. Oh, yeah. OPB. Yeah. So uh, on base percentage. So OPS not uh, so stellar. Not a power hitter at all. So I'm looking at that. That's how I would do it. You know, and uh, I don't want Ron Gardenhire. I'll be very interested to know what his philosophy is on these things. Me too. You know, because he, you could picture Iglesias being. I mean, he's kind of the old school number two hitter, right? That's exactly. Contact guy who can spread the ball around, but he's just not a threat at the plate, and he will not walk. And he's fast, but he doesn't steal he bases. Doesn't, he's seven bases the last two years. So I, I don't, you know, I looking at it, I, that's where, you know, like the garden hire hire. And I looked at it, I was critical of it, but people learn. You know, I don't know whether. He's no he, dummy. Yeah, no, he's hardly a dummy. <laughs> that That is no dummy. He knows he has to adapt, and I don't think there's any question he, he started to appreciate what analytics can do in his time in Arizona. Yeah, so uh, we'll see. 
you know, how it goes with that. But that's how I would do it. I, I'm not, you know, how, you know, people look at Joe Madden and they say some of these lineups are crazy and everything. They're not crazy. No. They're crazy like a fox. <laughs> you know, I mean, they're doing things that, you know, the conventional baseball stuff, a lot of it is just stupid. It's been stupid. I mean, I go through it with the Hall of Fame. Um, you know, uh, voting uh, with Trevor Hoffman and closers. You know, I used to have this theory that, oh, closers were so important and everything. Then I realized it's about leverage situations and the closer isn't, you know, and I heard Brad's speech. Save it for me. You know, about the guy standing up on the table or whatever it is. I mean, I understood where he's coming from with it, but they come in with a clean slate. It's different. Um, and then you go back and you look at these pitchers, like what Willie Hernandez did in 84. It wasn't 32 out of 33 saves. He yeah, threw 140 save, innings. The one blown save was an inherited runner at third base who scored on a sack fly. Yeah. Well, he, he <laughs> threw 140 innings. Did you know that? He was 9-3 and three and threw 140 innings. So, you know, these guys throw 70 innings. So there's so many different ways to look at things. And, you know, for example, the sacrifice bunt. You know, your run probability, and this has been done in study after study, you know, your run probability goes down from 80, 87% to 90% to the high 60s, you know, 69, 60, 70 at the most when you sacrifice bunt compared to if you've got a guy on first and one out. So it, it's in, in the major leagues, they make a play. 98% of the time they get an out on a sacrifice bunt. I mean, it's just a losing play. Well, you've got people who honestly think you should be sacrificed bunting all the time. It's a very specialized play in this day and age. So It's hardly used. It's at an all-time low. Yeah, and the shifts, the, American League. the shifts have been a definitive proof that they really mess with hitters. So, you know, the thing about, uh, uh, you know, the pitch to contact, you know, the things that we grew up, hey, he throws a sinker and he lets his defense do it. Hey, let your defense do it behind you, Pat, when I'm pitching in Little League. You know, Milwaukee, no. You know, if I was a Little League coach right now, I'd tell my pitcher, I'd say, throw the first pitch right down the middle. <laughs> because if you get ahead 0-1 compared to 1-0, your odds go up. I mean, it's unbelievable what the numbers are that way. Which just, you know, so it's a different way of looking at it. So for me, I put my best hitter second because the studies show that. My uh, second best hitter first because the studies show that. And then I fill in and try to get my best hitters up as much as I can in a game. I don't want them getting one less at bat for somebody who can't hit for squat. I think what this also shows is you and I construct a lineup. You're putting a lot on Jamer Candelario, right? You've right. got him fourth. I've got him fifth. Right. This guy who's got a month in the big leagues, a little more than that right. for this time with the Cubs. It, suge- it certainly points out that the, the Tigers are in need of another bat. Wouldn't you say? Yeah, I'd say that. But last year, you know, I mean. So you look at his free agent market that's very slow this offseason. Only 20%, below 20% of all free Jamer? agents. He's 23, 24, yeah. right? He's played, he's been out for a long time. He's played He's played minor league baseball. So he's either, when you throw him out there, he's going to do one of two things. He's either going to sink or he's going to swim. He's not going to learn anything more playing minor league baseball. No, no, but I'm just saying that this Tiger lineup, as we construct it, certainly shows that the, the bottom part could be a real problem this year. Oh, absolutely. Do yeah. you go out and sign? I mean, there's going to be a, there are going to be bargains in the free agent market by the end of the hot stove league. Spring training, there will be guys who are unsigned who might be able to help. I'm thinking more bullpen than hitters. Right. But it also made me think Christian Yelich is out there. Miami's getting rid of anybody who has any value. 
Kristen mm. Yelich is under control until 2021. Would you part with any of your prospects to get Kristen Yelich? That's interesting. Two four eight five three nine ninety seven ninety seven might make more sense than what a lot of people think. Ninety seven won the ticket. Download your radio in your computer and now in your pocket. Push, click, and listen. Ninety seven won the ticket. Tiger Talk with Pat Caputo and Tam Dickerson on Tigers Radio. 97.1, the ticket. 248-539-9797 is the phone number. Ticket text is at 97136. You heard our lineups for the Tigers this year. Uh, what would you do with those lineups? My crazy Nick Castellanos hitting leadoff. You've got to be nuts, Pat. <laughs> um, I could hear some people saying that. Uh, but what do you think? We'd They've love never to hear said from that you. before. Uh, also, Dan brought this up, uh, you know, with uh, Yelich, a uh, tremendous player for the Marlins. Uh, they're obviously having a fire sale. He's only 26. He's somewhat expensive. Um, you know, the Tigers are obviously cutting payroll. This is their plan to cut the payroll down as much as they can build a nucleus of a team, and then spend money again. They're no, they're, they don't have any plans of you know, going cheap forever, but they're trying to be smart, leaner, and meaner, come back stronger than ever, and then have sustaining success. Could, would Yelich, who is going to be an expensive player but still under control for quite a few years, uh, make sense for the Tigers? And what would you give up? Would you give up a Bo what Burrows or Matt Manning or both of them for him? I wouldn't do it, Dan. I you know, just with me, I would keep that nucleus of young pitching and uh, hope that that is what becomes your nucleus. Right. Um, Yelich, I just I would... think, I mean, if he's available, it's just it's one of those rare opportunities. He's under control for five years at twelve, just under twelve million a year. He's a four-war player on average, above three every year. Averages four-war a year for the last four years, ages twenty-two through twenty-five. He right. just turned twenty-six. He's got upside. He's well, a possible twenty-five, twenty-five guy. He can start hitting a few more balls in the air. This is a supremely talented player, better in left than center. Right. He's a plus in left, a minus in center by the numbers. But, I mean, it's, to me, it's a rare opportunity. Let, call the Marlins and see what would it take. Would you be willing to give up two of, if you include Giovanni Soto, Giovanni, right? Gregory. Gregory, I'm sorry. Soto is as top five yeah. with Perez, Baido, Burroughs, yeah. Soto, and Matt Manning. I'm not as sold on him as some other. I would if if would you give up two of those or one of those plus another top ten prospect and maybe unless those guys show signs of busting out at this point. No, uh, to me, Bo Burrows is you know golden. I mean, uh, I saw him watch a lot of his starts last year. I, I you know I know the Perez, Fiedo, Bo, Burrows would be your top. Those three. guys, I wouldn't touch Manning. those guys. All right. And Manning, I wouldn't touch either, even though his velocity was down a little bit last year. Uh, down a lot, actually. Right. Um, I wouldn't touch those guys. I, I just wouldn't do it. I mean, uh, here's, my, here's my philosophy would be. Remember Branch Rickey, right? A very famous person. Sure. Right. Okay. A uh, leading you know, saber patrician before there was such a thing. Yeah, I mean, he would be so into it, it would be <laughs> unbelievable for now. He invented the farm system, minor league system as we know it now. In addition to, you know, breaking the color barrier by bringing Jackie Robinson into the major leagues, all kinds of different things that he did. Many innovative things. Yeah, you know what his big philosophy was? I mean, one of his, you know, he had certain rules that he had, you know. Uh, This was one of them. Never trade a younger player for an older player. Age, never trade one that's younger for older. So, look, 
Bo Burrow's Yellow 20. just turned 26. Yeah, but he's six years older than these guys. You know? Who may never pan out. They may never, but if they do, of then you're going to rule. We just mentioned the odds are three of those five probably won't. Yeah. Right? You know, to That's me, what the odds say. I mean, maybe they all pan out. I, w- I just wouldn't touch it. I wouldn't touch it that way. I'd I would the follow sure thing. that rule. That Branch Ricky. But on the flip side, I'd trade Castellanos I'm just for him because I think I think he's I do think he's he could be a real special talent. Who Yelich? Yeah, yeah I but do. a lot of people do. I mean, you know, I mean, you know, you mentioned he has you know plus four plus player for a number of years. You, know, you call up, uh, I don't even know who the Marlins GM is now, but say you call Derek Jeter. <laughs> call Derek Jeter. Call Derek Jeter and <laughs> say, rid of everybody. <laughs> hey, Derek, uh, you, know, uh, we, you know, we'll trade you. Uh, Nick, no, Derek, Nick Castellano has a career war of 1.3 for Yelich, who has whatever. The teams just won't do that anymore. Right, and you wonder why the, why the free agent market is slow? Well, J.D. Martinez, people, teams look at this. I mean, they look at very below average defensive numbers, and they put it into the equation. There's no better hitter on the market than J.D. He's one of the best hitters in baseball, but that does drag down his value. That They put dollar amounts on every war number. And if it's not war, they've got their own system for figuring out well, how to they, put a dollar figure on somebody. They're not using a baseball reference of no, fam they, graphs or baseball perspective. Every team has a similar system, I would think. They do. They and better. They, and they have their own. You have to be able to figure out what somebody is worth, right? What their template is. And it's all based on value of dollars. Everybody says, well, what was Moneyball all about, really? Well, what it was about was putting value on contracts. Right. It wasn't about, you know, all the other, hey, Dave Dombrowski throwing a Coke machine for me, you know, and all that. Uh, there was uh, some wisdom to it. You know, some of it was total BS, but the way teams have gone since then, a lot of systems, it works. The Yankees, they did the same type of thing. I'm always amazed when the Yankees acquired guys, how good they are. Look at D.D. Gregorius. When they got him, I was like, well, what is D.D.? Look how good that guy is. Chad Green from the Tigers. Chad Green, to me, was a mid-range prospect, if that. He has a chance to be special. I'm watching a game last year. I just had it on. He got a spot start, and I'm like, your first pitch, 98 miles an hour. You know, I'm like, 98, then the next pitch, 97. You know, I mean, the Orioles, he's against the Orioles. They, they, they weren't getting any good looks. You know, you can see how the hitters react to it. You know, I mean, the, these teams know what they're doing, and uh, it's not a mistake. And so, and the Yankees, yeah, you know, now they've got uh, Giancarlo Stanton and, and Judge together, and everybody's talking about it, but it's all the pieces that are around it that made it possible. Uh, so to me, uh, it's about those type of things. And Yelich, to me, does not make sense for the Tigers. The free agent market uh, will come up when the Tigers need it to come up. And until then, they've just got to keep acquiring, hoarding prospects, hoarding them, right. you know, to the point where, you know, it's kind of like Kansas City was a few years ago. It's like, man, this guy's the best farm system. This team never breaks, never breaks. And the next thing you know, they got a World Series. And the next thing you know, they got a World Championship. That's the way the Tigers should be thinking. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't be thinking, I wouldn't be thinking about you. Wouldn't anybody. even make that phone call. Uh, I don't know. I maybe make the phone call. You know, whatever. <laughs> but uh, you know, the, my thought process would be: these are chips, man. I'm going to collect as many of these chips and as I can. Obviously, that's what the Tigers are trying to do. And this really does have, seem to be a promising right now, pretty good collection of potential future starters. They just started. You know, I think, you know, I was, I was talking to Al about this, uh, you know, one day. And he's, he's like, when he was at the Marlins, you know, it's like the, they had the 2003 Marlins. He goes, hey, yeah, Miguel Cabral, we signed him. You know, the shortstop, Gonzalez, we signed him. You know, we signed uh, Beckett was a second-round pick in the draft. You know, we drafted him. 
He said, you know, I had some pride in that. Dave had some pride in that when they won that because they had done some things that helped them, you know, get to the point. Uh, the Tigers that year lost 119 games, you know. So, but what I'm telling you is that just hold on to everything, you know. And, uh, you know, for example, everybody talks about one of the good trades Al's made lately was the Mikey Matuk trade, right? Mikey Matuk. Even know, a trade, right? Yeah, but, no, it was a, they got a player. It was a player to be named right, later play, for that. Not even a trade. <laughs> no, it was a player to be named <laughs> right, later for I that. Know. You know who the player it was? A guy named Drew Smith. Kid from Dallas Baptist was like a third round pick by the Tigers. Uh, might be some physical issues there with him or whatever. I'm watching him pitch. They flipped him the, the Rays to the Mets. He was in Double A last year. He was throwing 98 miles an hour. You know, you might see him all of a sudden. It's like, oh yeah, you know, this is a former Tiger guy that you haven't heard anything about. Domingo Liba, you know, who was their second best prospect, Arizona. You know, could come up to the major leagues, and all of a sudden you wonder, yeah, that's a former Tiger that was. The other guy in the trade, you know, that one of those deals with the with the Diamondbacks, you know, these prospects, man, they, they have a tendency to come back and haunt you, like Suarez. But that's why everybody gets like Knievel. Like, teams get afraid to even make a deal because of that. Well, There's too much fear, in my and, opinion. And plus, if you get those guys, though, you know, if those guys are on your team, you're like, wow, we got Chad Green, you know. But anyway, oh, it's just a different philosophy. What do you all think? Two four eight five. Wow, Michael Fulmer is coming up next. Uh, we'll be talking to him. The Tigers' ace. Uh, this is the Tiger Talk at ninety seven. Won the ticket. Two four eight five three nine ninety seven ninety seven is the phone number. Joining us now, uh, the ace of the Tigers' pitching staff. Uh, that's Michael Fulmer. Uh, it has a nice sound to it, Michael. People calling you the ace. Uh, how you doing? I'm doing all right. How are you guys doing? Thanks for having me. Good. Glad you could join us, Michael. So, yeah, Michael, tell us tell us about your uh, your off season. Obviously, the surgery, which was on your elbow to basically move the nerve, right? And I, I guess we're just kind of wondering how it's gone since then. It's obviously very different from major elbow reconstruction or Tommy John surgery. What was it like, though, for you to get back to where you want to be? Uh, everything's going uh, fantastic. Um, we're already kind of ahead of where our medical staff and uh, physical therapists, um, you know, they're, they're laying out the throwing program, and uh, we're basically ahead of what they were thinking we would be at right now. Um, I'm already playing catch out to about 120 feet, should get on the mound here in a week or so, and nice. um, I've had, you know, knuckles some wood, but I've had zero setbacks or worries or anything like that, um, you know, letting the ball go from 120 feet and not having any um, hesitation or anything like that, so I, I feel like I'm super healthy right now, already down here in Lakeland and hitting the gym hard and trying to get everything going for the season. That's exciting. I mean, it really is. You know, uh, yeah, we're, uh, we're we're having a good time with it. You know, it's, uh, the uh, the situation with the off season, uh, it, it's kind of been like uh, with the season. Dan and I were talking about it a little bit earlier in the show. Uh, was like, hey, you know what? The, the Yankees are interested in Michael Fulmer, like the Cubs were interested in Michael Fulmer. Um, you know, this constant kind of trade buzz around you, and yet you're a younger younger player. Does it seem unusual to you uh, to have that many talks about, like, possibly being in trades? How do you deal with it? And, uh, you know, uh, what's your mindset about it? Because, you know, the Tigers are obviously in a different situation. But 
you're not even close to uh, like where Justin Verlander was a free agent and that type of thing. How are, how are you dealing with it? Oh, you know, you just got to kind of tone it out and not really pay attention to it. Uh, the only things that I've seen are from my friends texting me, asking stuff, but, you know, I just tell them that, um, you know, right now I'm just trying to get in, in shape and, and get healthy for, for this upcoming season. And, um, you know, I'm glad to, happy to be here in Detroit and just trying to do whatever I can for, for the Tigers right now. Michael, tell us what you know about uh, Ron Gardenhire. What was your reaction to that hire? And I'm I'm curious, do you, do you know Chris Basio at all, or have you talked to him at all? Because he intrigues me just because of the, the track record he has of, of getting the most out of his pitchers and turning guys with talent who maybe have underperformed elsewhere into something more. It just seems like that was a really good hire. Just give us some of your thoughts on, on those two moves in particular. Yes, sir. Uh, you know, I've talked to both of them a couple times over the phone. I um, haven't got a chance to meet him yet. I will up at the caravan, but I uh, talked to Garden Hire a few times. You know, he was just saying how excited he is to, to be here and manage his ball club. Um, and I told him I'm super excited to learn from him. And uh, I've heard nothing but good things about his uh, managing style and uh, kind of presence in the clubhouse. And also the same with, with Bosio. I've talked to him a couple of times, going over throwing program, bullpen, stuff like that. Um, he's... What thing the thing that impressed me about him was he's already watched video of all of our pitchers, and he was already trying to help me on my slider. Uh, he was telling me over the phone about how I was doing this instead of this, and just try this and on my flat grounds or, or bullpen sessions early on, and see if that works before um, before spring training. So I haven't even seen the guy. He's never seen me pitch in person, but he's watched video. He's done his research to a bunch of guys, and I know. He's talking Norris and Boyd, and he's giving him, them some tips as well before we even get to see him in person. Uh, you've got a lot of uh, uh, younger pitchers on your staff now. Actually, you're kind of like the uh, the grizzled veteran. Uh, and, you know, the one thing, your makeup has always been calm. You've always carried yourself in that way. You look forward to a little bit of uh, the leadership uh, uh, aspect of it, especially the leadership by example, Michael? Well, I think I think Norris is the only guy younger than me. I think it's only a few months. <laughs> he, uh, yeah, I just, you know, we, me, Dino, and and Boyd, um, as well as Zimmerman, we we all talk to each other quite often, and um, just kind of basically planning how you know what we're going to do this year, and um, as far as uh, leadership in the in the clubhouse and uh, of the of the pitchers, especially some of the young guys. I know that. We're going to be a younger team this year, probably going to need some help from some minor league guys that come up. And we're basically going to just kind of try to teach them and and show them how to play the game the right way and and basically just kind of rely on them to learn themselves uh, a lot like uh, I did. Um, Obviously, I had, you know, Verlander and and Zimmerman and Anibal Sanchez and guys like that to kind of help me uh, any aspect of the game, I know in the weight room, conditioning, shoulder program, as well as working on pitches in the bullpen, they were giving me some a lot of advice. So if I could be that guy to, you know, somebody making their debut or just coming up or um, ask me to watch a, a few pitches, I, hopefully I can be that guy to them. Michael, I'm the, I'm the eternal optimist every year. Uh, but, you know, when you hear about what the projections are for the Tigers this year, many are, are predicting a kind of, similar to last year, but I look at, I always start with rotations. It does seem like 
there is upside of this rotation given the upside for Matt Boyd and Daniel Norris. Can you just kind of give Tigers fans a feel for what you see in those two and, and what they might be able to provide for this team? We've seen the upside. We've seen ups and downs. Can those two be regular pieces in the rotation? Absolutely. Uh, I think I think Boyd uh, showed it last year. I mean, shoot, he was one out away from a no-hitter, um, which all had us on the, the edge of our seats the entire game. And I know Norris, he, you know, he's been dealing with a little bit of minor injuries here and there. Um, but I, he, I've been texting him a lot lately, and he said he's he's 100% healthy. And with his caliber and, and repertoire and kind of his uh, mental capacity, I think that you know he'll be a, a go-to guy this year in the rotation. I think having those two lefties on board, uh, fully healthy and, and doing what the whole organization knows what they can do, uh, I think it'll be a, a good 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 thing to see this year. You know, it's uh, with that injury thing. Did it put your plumbing career on a hold? <laughs> <laughs> um, a little bit. I helped out a little bit still. Uh, nothing too too dangerous again, but um, you know it, it's always nice to just get out and not think about anything, especially not baseball in the off season, and just try to get out there and, and do something and stay active. Well, I'll tell you what: if you were up here, you'd be working on a lot of freezing pipes. It's been very cold, <laughs> but uh, that's what I've heard. Yeah, I've I mean heard. it's I went just here in December, and it just snowed all over the place. Yeah, hopefully for your sake, when you get back for the caravan and everything, it's not like it's been. I mean, it's been unbelievable. But, Michael, we enjoyed talking to you. Best of luck uh, as you uh, rehabilitate your, yourself, get ready for the spring training, and uh, look forward to seeing you pitch this summer. Thank you all. Appreciate all right. it. Thank you, Michael. There you go. It's Michael mm-hmm. Fulmer. There's a guy who's got some leadership qualities, too. He does. He absolutely yeah. does. And I love hearing that, I mean, he's talking with Norris and Boyd. Basio's talking with all three already making suggestions. Michael felt, I know that his slider wasn't quite where he wanted it to be last year. The swings and misses were down, but, I mean, that if he gets back to where he wants it to be, I mean, it's it's going to be fun to see what Basio does with these guys because there is talent there. You know what? This is like the fastest hour in radio. Coming up next is Pistons tonight. <laughs> we're back and, next Monday, Pat. Yes, next Monday. Next Monday, Kyle Bogey's coming up next with Pistons tonight. I'll be in with Ken Cal. Another broadcasting legend uh, with Inside Hockey Town coming up at 9. This is 97 won the ticket.